So um, again, today we're going to be talking about uh, one of our values and something we really believe God's calling us to build into the culture here at The Story, um, which is being a church that is led by the Spirit. If you want to go back at all, we actually did, I think, a a three-month series on the Holy Spirit. And uh, so if you want to check out our podcast, you're more than welcome to do that. But um, I want to go a little bit different of a route this morning uh, as far as the introduction and just share some personal stuff um, that's just been happening in my life um, that I really felt would be important to share with you guys and uh, just try to be as transparent and real and vulnerable with you guys as I can. So um, I guess I'll start with uh, Friday night, aka uh, two days ago. Had a long day on Friday, uh, just to be honest, like a lot of stress, lots of stuff going on with all the projects downstairs and stuff. It's just been, just been a crazy couple of weeks. And uh, I went to bed at about 9.30 Friday night, and then I woke up at midnight. So two and a half hours of sleep, woke up at midnight and was just laying in bed, um, just wide awake and just like my mind running a million miles an hour, thinking of the million other things that I had to do. And I was just like, oh, um, not able to shut my mind off, which uh, kind of happens pretty regularly. So I was laying there for about an hour trying to go back to sleep. And the more I laid there, the more stuff I realized I have to do and was like, oh, this sucks. So I just knew I had to get out of bed and knew that I I needed to just hear from God. I knew that I needed to just be in his presence. And so um, I went out to the couch at about 1 a.m. and uh, just felt the spirit, you know, um, stirring some things pretty heavily in my heart. And so I was like, okay, what is it? What is it you want to say to me? You know, you woke me up. It's one in the morning. What do you want to say? What do you want to do? So I was just sitting on the couch and um, was just being silent, just kind of listening, like, why am I here? What do you want to do? Uh, What do you want to say? I'm stressed out. And um, I I couldn't go back to sleep. And I honestly, after a period of probably 30 minutes of just kind of being still before the Lord, I I didn't really hear anything. I didn't feel like he was really like putting anything in my heart. And so I was like, okay, so... um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do some reading. So I've been reading uh, this book on the Holy Spirit. I picked it up and I was like, I'm just gonna start reading. And so I picked up this book on the Holy Spirit I've been reading. And uh, to my shock, one of the first things that I read in the chapter I was in, I think chapter 11 or 12 or something, was a quote that said this. I'll read this quote to you. It says, "He'll give you strength and life, but the Spirit will give you something else just as important." he will give you rest. And I was like, whoa. I was like, that's, that's weird, okay? Like, I'm sitting here, I can't go to sleep. I'm trying to hear from the spirit. I'm opening a book and then it's like, he will give you rest. And then it, uh, it quoted this verse, which is where I wanted you to look, Isaiah chapter 63. I read this in the book. The, the verse, Isaiah 63, verse 14 says this. Like livestock that go down into the valley, the spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. So I read that quote, the, the spirit gives us rest. And then I read this verse as, as he leads livestock down to the valley, so he gives us rest. And I was like, whoa, that's really cool. Like the, the one verse that, oh, that's in this book is about the spirit giving us rest. And yet the only problem was, I was like, I'm not getting rest, right? I'm here and I'm waiting on the spirit, like trying to hear, what do you want to say? What do you want to do? And he's like, the spirit gives you rest. And I was like, well, then why don't I have that, right? Why is my mind going a million miles an hour? Why am I so stressed out? What's going on? Like, I I don't have this rest that it's talking about here. And so um, I was just like, still wondering, like, why don't I have this rest? 
what's going on, what's, what's the Holy Spirit trying to say. And so then I decided I'm gonna, I'm gonna just go to Isaiah chapter 63 and try and just kind of read that whole chapter to get a better idea of the context of this verse because this verse was in a book I was reading. So I went and grabbed my Bible and I kid you not, I sit down on the couch and out of the thousands of pages in a Bible, I was like, okay, I need to find Isaiah 63. I just opened the Bible and it was Isaiah chapter 63. Like one in 2000 chances that I'm going to hit that. And I was like, whoa, like that's pretty fire. Actually, I was kind of proud of myself. Maybe like Jesse a little bit, a little spiritual pride. I was like, yeah, I know where that is right here. Right. So I, I opened it up and I just opened right to Isaiah 63. And I was like, this is, this is crazy. Like, A, I'm, I'm here restless, waiting on the Spirit, and the one verse in this book is about the Spirit giving you rest. And then I was like, okay, I really feel like I need to read this chapter. And then I open up to that chapter directly, and I was like, man, um, I, I want to listen. I, I, I believe that the Spirit was guiding that time. What is it he wanted to say? What is it that he wanted to do? And so uh, the chapter, Isaiah chapter 63, it begins with uh, how most chapters in Isaiah or the prophets begin. A lot of just vengeance and judgment and a lot of stuff. Most people are like, what the heck is this? What's he talking about? So I'm reading it and I'm like, dude, I have no idea what's going on here. Like, like, what am I going to get out of this, right? Like all this, the, the judgment on people rebelling. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. But then the key, which, which I, I really started unlocking the passage, um, is actually in verse 10, which says this, but they, the people of God, Israel, they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. So I got to verse 10. I was reading all this stuff of judgment. What the heck's going on? Oh, the, the people of God had grieved the Holy Spirit. They, they no longer were following the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. They had actually turned to idolatry. They were serving false gods and false idols, and in doing so, were, were grieving the Holy Spirit. They were no longer following the Holy Spirit. And then, verse 11, look down there. It says, then he remembered the days of old. And I just love that phrase. I mean, I could just, I could go for an hour about remember the days of old. Okay, the days of old, what, what, what is it? And then he says this, remember the days of old um, of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds and his flock? Where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit. So he's reflecting now on the days of old when the Spirit of God was leading the people of God. When the Spirit of God was leading Moses and leading his people out of bondage, out of slavery, into the promised land. Remember those days. Remember the days when the Spirit was actually leading you. Now he's not. He, he's saying here, you guys have grieved the Spirit. You're no longer following the Spirit. But remember the days of old. Remember when you were following the Holy Spirit in the days of Moses. Verse 12, he says, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the depths. Man, remember when God led you through the sea. He miraculously parted the sea so that you could escape your enemies to bring you into the promised land. Remember those days. That's when the spirit of God was leading you. That's when you were following what the spirit wanted to do. Remember those days. Remember, remember, remember. Verse 13, he then says, like a horse in the desert, they did not stumble. And then verse 14, the verse that was, that was from the book, like livestock that go down into the valley, the spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So 
you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. So verse 11 through 13, he's recounting the days of old when the people of Israel were following God, when they were being led by the spirit of God. He says, remember those days. And verse 13, or verse 14, to understand it, you have to understand the context, which is the spirit of God in the days of old was leading the people of God. They were following the spirit. And then verse 14, like livestock that go down into the valley, the spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. So what he's saying here, verse 14, is the degree that we are experiencing rest is the exact degree that we are being led by the spirit of God and resting in his presence. Look at that, verse 14. The spirit of the Lord gave them rest. Why? Because he was leading them to make a name glorious for himself. So there's a connection. The rest of God experiencing the rest of the presence of God comes to the same proportion that we are being led by the spirit of God, that we are allowing him to lead our lives. And it was in that moment on the couch there, probably it was now two in the morning or 2.30, in that moment I realized, now I get it. Now I, I, I'm understanding why I don't have rest. I'm understanding why I'm, I'm stressing out about all these things, why there's so much going on. It's because I haven't, in that moment, I realized, I haven't been following the Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me like I maybe had in the days of old, like I had a few months ago. I realized that in my life recently, probably in the past month or so, I've been striving so much in my own strength to try and accomplish everything that I've, I need to accomplish. I've been striving by my own strength to try and lead this church well. I've been striving by my own strength to try and lead my family well. I've been striving by my own strength to try and accomplish all the projects with the remodel and so much going on here. There's been so much stress in my life, honestly, lately from so much going on, but I realized the reason I'm restless is because I'm not being led by the spirit. I'm, I'm striving. I'm trying to do all of this in my own strength. And I then was reflecting on this. I was sitting there on the couch and I was reflecting. And the honest truth is in this past season of my life, um, my time as far as listening to the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, being still in the presence of the Holy Spirit, all of that, my time in the word, my time in prayer, all of that in this past season of my life has been centered around my need to prepare something for Sunday morning to deliver to the people rather than failing to depend on the Holy Spirit and spend time in his presence because I need that. I realized everything that I've been doing in this past month or so has been of the flesh. Everything I've been doing has been in my own strength, trying to make it happen, trying to balance all of this. And the only time I have been just still before the spirit, waiting on the spirit, really trying to hear from the Holy Spirit in this past season was when I needed something from him, was, was when I needed him to give something for me to give out to other people, not for me. So I'd only been coming to him when I, when I needed him for Sunday mornings, 
I'd only been following him, not because I wanted to actually pursue him and follow him, but because I needed him to lead me in my time of sermon prep or whatever it was. I realized in my life, I personally have actually been failing to depend on the spirit and hear from the spirit in my everyday life like I once had. And that is why I was in this moment of restlessness, which is what I've been feeling, not so much even physically like that night, but spiritually, just I've been spiritually restless. Why, why is that? Why was there no rest in my spirit? Because I wasn't resting in the spirit. Why was there no rest in my heart? Because my heart had not been resting and, and having that one-on-one communion and pursuing that relationship with the spirit. I had no rest because I wasn't resting in him. I wasn't delighting in him. I wasn't being led by him. The only time I was, was because I needed something, was because I maybe felt the need to be able to perform or to deliver a good teaching on Sunday or something like that. And so I realized in that moment that th- this was it. The spirit, verse 14, gave them rest because he was leading them. And I was not experiencing that rest because I was not being led by him. I eventually went back to sleep thanks to my wife who gave me an amazing facial at like three in the morning. And I woke up the next day. I had to get up early again, went straight to Home Depot, had to tarp off this whole stage for prep. And again, just jumped right back into the, the, the busyness and the chaos of everything that's been going on. And after like prep and uh, projects and stuff like that, I was like, I realized I was, I was honestly way behind on where I normally would be uh, for my studies because I'd been neglecting that because of how many other things were going on. And I was like, okay, it's time to, time to just get in gear five and just grind it out. And so I, I, I went into my study zone. I went into my study mode, but I realized I didn't even take any time before that to just, again, be, be still and listen to the spirit and, and hear what is, what is it that the spirit wants to do today? What is it he wants to say? I just started, I just started going I just started studying and I just started writing and I realized two or three hours in, I was, you know, I was getting some good stuff. I thought I was making good progress, but in my spirit, I didn't feel rest. In my spirit, I I didn't feel at peace. There was all this stuff that I was trying to make happen to, to put together a teaching for Sunday and there was no rest in it at all. There was no peace. And I realized looking back to the night before, Zav, you're, you're doing it again. You're, you're not resting you're not being led by the spirit. You're striving. You're, you're trying to do all this. This is what you're trying to do. And, and it just wasn't working out. And so later in the afternoon, I just realized that I can keep trying to do this and keep trying to make this happen. And, and, and I'm never gonna find that rest. And so I finally stopped. I, I just closed my computer. And for, for the first moment, and honestly, for me, a couple of weeks, for the first time in a while, I just, I just stopped and I just shut it all off. I just shut the computer down. I just closed my book. I just shut it all down. And I just said, I, I wanna hear from you because I, I need to hear from you, for me. Not because I have to prepare a teaching, not because I have others to do. I need that. I, I need to hear from you for me and I need to be led by you for me. And it was absolutely incredible in that moment, the single final moment that I put aside just to, to hear from the Spirit for me, just to get fed for me, it, it, he, he was instantly there. He, he instantly spoke so clearly. I started just getting filled. I started getting so much vision, so much direction. Not because I was trying to do that, because I was resting 
because I was waiting, because I finally said, I'm trying to lead all this stuff and trying to do all this and it's not working. I need to just stop and let you do that. And, and I just broke down. Middle of the afternoon, I was in my office. I was probably weeping for like 15 minutes because I was finally again hearing from the spirit. I was finally again resting. I wasn't striving. I wasn't trying to make something happen. It was just him and me. And that was all that mattered. And in that time, I realized, and this is, this is what the spirit spoke. Stop trying and, and start yielding. You can try and try and try and strive and strive in your work and your family and all these things. And guess what? You're gonna burn out. Guess what? There's gonna be no fruit from that. But you can stop and pause and yield and say, God, how do you want me to do this? What do you wanna do? How do you want me to lead my family, my work life? How, how am I gonna do that? When you stop trying and just yield in that moment, everything changes. And that's what it was for me. It'd been weeks and weeks piled up of striving, of trying to, in my own strength to make all this stuff happen. And I, and I had no rest in my spirit. And in one moment, one moment of pause, one moment of inviting the Holy Spirit to be present and me being fully present with him for no agenda, not because I needed something, but just to be present with him, everything changed. And, and, and vision and direction and clarity and, and all of this started coming and it was absolutely incredible. And everything that I had prepared up to that point for today, he said, that's, that's not what I wanna do. That's not what I wanna say. This is what you think would be good, but you, you're not listening to me. But then I, then I, I had his, he had my attention, then I was listening and he just started pouring out what, what he wanted to do. You see, we, we can create a culture that we want, but at the end of the day, there's gonna be no fruit from that. Or we can say, what, what does the Holy Spirit wanna do and let him create it and let him lead the whole thing and we just get to step in and say, say yes to whatever he wants to do because he's the one who's gonna change it. And so at the end of the day, again, we're in this series about creating culture and what does that look like for our church? What type of culture do, do we wanna build into the fabric of this church? And, and we believe that God is calling us as a church to create a culture of people who are led by the Holy Spirit and who yield their lives to the Holy Spirit, not just on Sunday mornings, in every aspect of our lives. If we're gonna see the culture in the city of Ashland change, that's not something we do. That's not something we strive to make happen. That's something the Holy Spirit does. That's something that, that, that he gets the credit for. What's happened here in, in the past year, the growth of this church, people coming, getting saved, getting baptized, following Jesus, getting discipled, this is not the, the, the work of, of, of people striving. This is not because we're doing something. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing. This is a work of God. This is a move of God. And, and he spoke, and, and this is, again, we were in a Holy Spirit series for 12 weeks. He just re-spoke, this is what I want you to be about. Me, this is what I want you to be about. Listening, yielding, not striving. And again, I can be the first one to say that I am far from perfect at this, I'm far from perfect at having a life that's perfectly led and guided and yielded by the Spirit. It's something I, I hope to continue to grow in every single day. It's something that I, again, realize, I realized yesterday, I've got off track. 
I haven't been doing it like I should. I haven't been yielding and listening and being led like I should. And, 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 I, and I got back on track. But again, I, I wanted to share with you guys and be real that I'm not, I'm not perfect at this. And as a church, we're not gonna be perfect at this, but we're gonna take steps in the right direction. We're gonna take steps to create space for the Holy Spirit to be able to move, for, for us as a church body to yield and say, God, what, what do you wanna do today? We got a few plans, we got a few, we got a few songs, we got some coffee, but what, what do you wanna do? And we believe that God is calling this church to be a church who yields to the Holy Spirit, to be a church who is led by the Holy Spirit. I know that that's what God wants for this church. Now, Isaiah 63, verse 14, again, I want you to see this. This is so important, pertaining to being led by the Spirit, experiencing rest. Look at this. He says again, like livestock that go down into the valley, the spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. I love that phrase at the end there when he says, you led your people. How did he do that? By his spirit. You led your people. Why did he lead his people? To make for yourself, to make for himself a glorious name. God is the one who makes his name great. God is the one who changes culture. God is the one who changes people's hearts. It is, it's, it's the work of God. If we want God's name to be made great in this city, if we want the spirit of God to permeate the city, if we wanna see lives changed in the city, and if we wanna see the culture changed in the city, guess what? We don't do that. I don't strive to do that. God does that. God shows up and God makes his name great. God shows up and God makes his name glorious. God shows up and God changes everything. And that's what we want as a church. That's what we're praying for as a church. That's what we're asking God's spirit to do. I want in our lifetime to see God's name glorified in this city. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing what we're doing. We want God to be made great. We want God to be seen. But guess what? Again, that's not something that we have the responsibility of striving to do. He shows up and it says very specifically that he will make for himself a glorious name. That's something that he does. Now, here's the kicker, which is beautiful and which is amazing. How does he do it? How does God Make his name great in a city, in a culture. How does that take place? Look how it takes place. Verse 14, so you led your people. Why? To make for yourself a glorious name. The way that God magnifies his name and makes his name glorious, it's at the end of the day, something he does, but he does it through people who yield to the leading of his spirit. Look, you led your people, your spirit gave them rest. As God's people yield and rest and are led by God's spirit, God uses that to magnify his name. God uses that to make his name great. And so the degree that we are yielding to the spirit of God, are following the spirit of God, is the degree that God makes his name glorious. On the other hand, the degree that we aren't being led by the Spirit, the degree that we're leading our own lives, doing our own thing, is the degree that we make our own name glorious. And that's, that's what culture promotes. 
That's what the culture of the world promotes. We're living in a culture that says life is all about me. My life is about me. We're living in a self-obsessed culture. Just throw your face on Facebook, you know, put everything you want on your MySpace. If that's still a thing, I'm not really fully sure. But we're living in a culture that says it's about you. Culture is about you. Your life is about you. And, and, and ultimately, the degree that we believe that and say, oh, it's about me, is the, the degree we make our name great. But the degree that we, verse 14, are, are, are a people who is led by God's presence and led by God's spirit is the degree that he, Jesus, makes his name glorious. When my life and when your life and when our lives are led by God's spirit, are surrendered to the spirit of God, yielding in the presence of the spirit, guess what that does? That tells a different story than what culture's telling. Culture story is do your thing. It's about you. Do what you want. Don't yield to anyone else. Don't listen to anyone else. You do you. But when we, a, a, a different people, a people full of the spirit, a people who say, I want my life to be yielded to the spirit, to be led by the spirit, that tells a different story. That tells a story that my life isn't about me, that, that I'm living for a greater purpose, that there's something beyond me, there's something greater than me that I want my life to be used for. And he uses people who yield to his spirit and who are led by his spirit to magnify his name. He uses people in the process. And so if God's name is going to be made glorious and magnified in this city, the beautiful thing is we actually partner with him in that process. It starts with people who are being led by his spirit, being led by his presence. The reality is you cannot, I cannot, and we cannot in our own strength, in our striving, which I've been doing for weeks, we cannot make God's name great. We can't do that in our own strength. We can't change the culture of a city. We can't change our own hearts. In our striving, in our strength, we can't do any of that. If we wanna see God's kingdom come, God's will be done in Ashland, in the Rogue Valley, as it is in heaven, that takes place when we stop striving, when we stop moving in our own strength, and when we say, what does the Holy Spirit wanna do? Let's just, for a second, yield and be still and say, God, how do you, how do you wanna use my life today to make your name glorious? How do you wanna use my life today to begin to change other people's hearts and to begin to change and transform a culture? It starts with yielding and being led by the spirit of God. And we see actually a really amazing contrast and illustration of this in the book of Joshua, which I love this story. God's people had, had just came out of bondage in Egypt. God, again, through Moses and his spirit, led them out of slavery, led them to the Red Sea. In Joshua chapter six, they come to their, the first city in the promised land that God called them to inherit. It was called the city of Jericho. And Jericho was a massive city. Structurally, it had huge walls. It was super fortified. And God said, I want to, I want to give you this city. I want you to take over the city. I'm going to make my name great in this city. And God's people were like, okay, how's that going to happen? And guess what? They didn't put together some strategic plan. They didn't plan out what they were going to do to take the city of Jericho for the kingdom. What they did was waited and listened. And guess what? God's spirit, God's presence, God guided and directed them. And he said, here's how you're gonna take the city. You're just gonna go and walk around the walls. Wait, what? 
Okay, in my battle plan, like I'm gonna try and make some axes, you know, I'm gonna try and make some swords or whatever. He says, here's what you're gonna do. If, if you wanna do this my way, you're just gonna go and walk around the city walls for six days, that's it. You're not gonna talk, you're not gonna make noises. He told him not to talk because he knew six days of walking around walls, you'd start complaining. So he said, don't talk, just go walk around the walls, okay? So they go for six days and they walk around this giant city wall one time a day. And on the seventh day, he said, now walk around it seven times. They're like, what is, what is that gonna do? That's not gonna do anything at all. But they did, they walked around it and then he said, shout. And then he said, blow the ram's horn, blow the shofar, which was a, a, a noise of victory. All they did was walked around these walls, blew on some trumpets and guess what? The walls came down. Guess what? God gave them the victory. Guess what? God did all of the work. They didn't do anything. They don't get any credit at all for what happened. All they did was yielded to what God wanted to do. God, how are we gonna take this city? What do you want us to do? It may seem foolish. It may seem counterintuitive. Just walk. Contrasted with that, God gave them the victory because they were being led by his spirit over Jericho. Contrasted with that, in Joshua chapter seven, after they just conquered this massive city by actually being led by the spirit of God and led by the presence of God, they get excited and they're like, oh, we just conquered this city. We can go do some more then. And so they put together their own plan and they're like, we're gonna go take over Ai, which was a lot smaller of a city than Jericho. And in their own strength and in their zeal and striving, they're like, let's go. And they went and tried to conquer the city of Ai and they were defeated before a a very small town. It was the only battle that was lost by the children of Israel in the conquest of the land of Canaan. They were striving in their own strength. They tried to make it happen in their own strength. Jericho, the the city was given to them by being led by the presence of God, the spirit of God, listening to what God wanted to do. And he said, this is, this is my city and I'm gonna grant it to you. But when they strived to their own strength, Joshua chapter seven, they lost the victory. As a church and, and, and what we believe God's wanting to do here in Ashland, here in the Rogue Valley, we believe that this is kingdom territory. We believe that, that the kingdom is gonna continue to spread, continue to advance. God is gonna continue to win souls for his glory to make his name great. But that happens only to the degree that we say, we're gonna stop trying to make that happen. We're gonna stop trying to force our own agenda and what we think we should happen. And we're just gonna listen and we're just gonna submit and say, Holy Spirit, how's this gonna happen? This seems impossible. I have no idea how that can happen. What do you want to do? And we're going to say yes to what God's spirit wants to do. God is looking for a church. God is looking for a people who will stop striving and who will start yielding. A people who will stop coming with their own agenda and their own plans and just say, isn't this God's church to begin with? Isn't isn't this God's thing? Then what are we doing forcing our own agenda? Let's just stop and say, what do you have for us? What do you wanna do? And when that happens, he makes his name glorious. When that happens, he gets the victory. When that happens, cities for the kingdom are won. I believe it. It's not only gonna happen here. We're gonna see a generation We're gonna see a a harvest. We're gonna see churches started and churches planted who, who are getting this. The Spirit's doing something new. A a, a group of churches, not just here all over who are saying, this is what it's about, the spirit. 
This is what it's about. It's his work, letting him lead this, letting him take over. We're gonna see it happen, not just here. We're gonna see it all over. The spirit of God is doing something. And the most beautiful thing about this, this isn't, this isn't just Isaiah, this isn't just Jericho. This is what Jesus himself modeled. We see this most clearly in the life of Jesus who Jesus had a pretty big task on his hands, right? Come down to the earth and, and redeem all of mankind. That's a little more stress than remodeling a church building and leading a church and all this. Like, here's your task, Jesus. Go save the whole human race. Okay, get to work, strive, strive, strive. No, what do we see in the life of Jesus? If you read through the gospels, Jesus on a regular basis over and over again in the gospels departed to a solitary place, got away from the crowds, got away from the chaos and just went and waited in the presence of the father. Just said, I'm here. I gotta save the whole world. I gotta redeem mankind. I'm not gonna try and force that though or make that happen. He just was constantly in the presence of the father saying, what is it you have? How do you want me to do this? Surrendering, submitting his will. And at the climax of the story of Jesus, we see the same thing. In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus knew it was about time to go to the cross to bear the sin and the weight and the judgment for all humanity. He knew that was about to happen. And in the garden of Gethsemane, he was the weight and the pressure and the stress of what he was about to do was so great that he started sweating drops of blood. But in that moment, he said, not as I will, but your will be done. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. If it's possible, I'd rather not drink the cup of judgment. I'd rather not take the wrath for the sin of all mankind. I don't really wanna do that. If it's possible, let me not. But nevertheless, I'm gonna yield to your will. Not my will, but your will be done. And as Jesus was led to the cross, as Jesus went to the cross, It wasn't out of strife. It wasn't, I'm trying to make this happen. The act of going to the cross, his posture on the cross was an act of full surrender, an act of full submission, an act of yielding to the father and what he knew the spirit was calling him to do. There was no strife. It wasn't something that was forced. It was, this is what I know God has called me to do. This is what the spirit is calling me to do. And from that place of yielding, from a spirit of yielding on the cross, Jesus yielded his spirit. He gave up his ghost on the cross. In that moment, the ultimate place of yielding, the ultimate place of surrender, Jesus himself in that moment made his name glorious. God glorified him. God made his name glorious in the place of what? Yielding being led by the spirit, hearing from the father. And the degree that we as a church do that is a reflection of the gospel. As we yield to the spirit, as we yield and make space for God, what do you wanna do? What does the father wanna speak over people today? As we do that, it's a reflection of the gospel. As we do that, the spirit comes and he works. He changes people's hearts. He changes cities. He makes a name great for himself when we say, this isn't about me. This isn't about what I have to do. This isn't about me at all. It's about him. And so we're gonna yield and be still and listen to what it is he wants to do. We believe that, again, God is calling us to create a culture in this church and in our lives as well of being a people who, who waits, 
being a people who yields, being a people who creates space for the Holy Spirit to lead us. And as that happens, we're gonna continue to see the gospel transform people's lives. We're gonna continue to see people coming into a full understanding of what Christ did for them. Like Jesse was sharing in his story, he didn't get it. He didn't fully get it. And then he understood, man, what Jesus did for him. He understood the fullness of the gospel, that Jesus took his sin, that Jesus redeemed him, that he's a new creation. Jesus is gonna continue to do that in the lives of thousands of people as we continue to be a church who says, we're not here to force any agenda. We're not here to do what we wanna do. Let's be a church who yields. Let's be a church who waits. Let's be a church who listens and just steps back and says, what's the Holy Spirit gonna do today? And when that happens, he shows up and he makes a name great for himself and he magnifies himself and he brings people into his kingdom. Amen.